Hey everybody, my name is Kenzie Tartaglioni. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm your master of ceremonies. Hey, I'm Brennan Hershock. I go by he, him pronouns, and I play Sawyer Hook, the mortal. I'm April Consolo. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Ivy Duncan, a vampire. Hey there, I'm Mads McDonough. I use he, him pronouns, and I play Caleb Moore, the werewolf. My name is Ashley Westover. My pronouns are she, they, and I play Pharaoh Smith, the chosen. And welcome to Wildmore High. Content warning for this episode includes blood, drinking blood, sex, sexual assault, rape, and death. Caleb, you are with your friends talking about how you have to find a way to get this thing out of Ivy. And so you go to leave to go find your Aunt Sarah's house and prepare that place. And before you were even out the doors of the hockey arena, you get a text from Sawyer that says, hey, wait for me. I look down, I look back behind me, and I reply back, like, wait here at the hockey arena or before I get to Sarah's, immediately followed by, we're on a bit of a time crunch. There's probably like at least a five minute time period in which you do not get a text from him. I start pacing and then I go back inside and I buy myself a Slurpee to calm my nerves because I'm really stressed out about this. And I know that they're having like some kind of weird like sibling conversation in there, probably, and I don't want to be a part of that. So I down my Slurpee in a matter of like two minutes. I give myself a horrendous brain freeze and then send another message. Hello? Sh shit, sorry. Wait for me at the game. I'll meet up with you very soon. I use my empty Slurpee cup to like smack my forehead with it a couple times in frustration. Where are you? Concessions. On my way. Sawyer, do you want me to go ahead and head to your house? Yes. I will, let me just write you up a list really fast of the things. It's very specific. Also, do we need a car? I can handle that. Just let me know, yes or no. Yes. Okay, perfect. Okay, I'm gonna write a very detailed note about what you specifically need to grab. Okay. Do not grab the wrong things because that could lead to catastrophe. I really should be doing this myself, but we have other things. I need to go grab Kai. Where do you need me to pick you up? Here, I'll just share my location. No, and... don't worry about it. Pharaoh takes his phone and then like pretends to open the settings to, sh to like share that, but it just doesn't do anything because they're already sharing it. And then without sharing their location with Sawyer, they hand Sawyer back his phone and they say, okay, I'll text you when I'm coming to pick you up and they start walking out. Okay, good luck. Seriously, don't fuck that up. I won't. Runs. I am sprinting <laughs> across the arena. You sprint across, you make it out into the foyer where the concessions are. You see Caleb standing there drinking a slushy, actually kind of like holding the slushy against his forehead and just like looking like he, he doesn't know what the fuck is gonna happen this evening. Let it be known that the Slurpee that is currently in my hand that's against my forehead, there is a crushed one in my other hand. So this is my second Slurpee. They are both blue. <laughs> Sawyer pops around from around the corner, just his face. Caleb, Caleb. Why are you? No, 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 no,
You're being weird. I'm going to walk over to him. Like looking around for Ivy. Ivy is leaning over the edge of the hockey rink, like completely bent over it. Adam skates by and like gives her a skate by kiss and she like does a little cheer for him afterwards. She also is the only cheerleader out there right now and actively entered the team seating to do this. I grab Caleb and like shove Caleb like towards me and start walking with Caleb, dragging them. What are you doing? I don't know where Ivy is, so we've got to be really fucking quiet. Actually, let's just leave. Yeah, that's, I was waiting for you. Well, good plan, let's go. Great plan, okay. I follow him out. Sawyer's stopping at every like crossroads of the hallways, just like peering at every corner looking for Ivy. I'm just drinking my Slurpee. (laughs) You don't ever see her and you are both on separate missions. Caleb to find Naya or somehow contact her and Sawyer to somehow find or contact Kai. Whenever we get outside, um, Caleb is going to take now two empty Slurpees and toss them into the bin that's next to the door, like the entrance to the building. Okay, so we're in charge of getting Naya and Kai right? Yes, you got Naya, I got Kai, Pharaoh's gonna handle some other stuff. Some other stuff? Should I be concerned? Uh, it's just like, uh, you know, weapons. Um, what? so then we're gonna meet up. Sawyer? Hmm? Weapons? Yeah. Explain weapons. Well, knives and, um, you know. No, I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. You know how you have your powers, your abilities. I turn into a horrendous wolf creature. Yes. Ivy has Ivy's abilities. She is a vampire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the hooks have their trick or two up their sleeve. Political intrigue? More like, um, poisonous plants specifically for vampires and werewolves. He kind of blinks and there's nothing like there's nothing readable on his face right now. It's just absolutely blank as he takes this in and then he nods slowly. And this has been, you've always had this, the hooks, your family. Yeah, I got introduced to it when I was really young. So you've known this since you were a kid, since we were all kids? Yeah. And you didn't think to- No, I thought about it all the time. No, not think about it. Think about talking about it. Yeah, no, I know. I thought about telling you guys all the time. I just was afraid of my dad, honestly. Caleb looks a little bit annoyed at first, and then when Mr. Hook comes up, his eyes kind of flick to the side. There's like an an annoyance, but a different kind of annoyance, and he softens a little bit, nods his head. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I should have told you. I'm Sorry. Yeah, you should have, but I understand why you didn't. And you're telling me now, so that's better than you stuffing a plant in my mouth later. How do you even- we can talk about this later. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole breakdown of the logistics of these plants. Anyways, I think we're gonna need them if things get out of control for Ivy. So that's what Pharaoh is doing? I guess Pharaoh, like, just knows the insides and out of my entire life, somehow. You know, the past couple days, I've been thinking about how maybe we should have been keeping a closer eye on Pharaoh, and maybe they were always sort of on the outskirts of everything that we were doing, and we didn't really notice. We were a little too caught up in, uh, in, uh, this. He motions, like, a little circle. Well, that's another thing I guess we can talk about later. Yeah. Right now, we're trying to home alone a house, right? We're trying to, we, sure. All right, okay. And Ivy is the weird robber duo. Yes. Am I the only one that's thinking we need to booby trap the whole house? Yeah, I'm feeling like Jax and Marbles aren't really going to keep her at bay very long. Yeah, I had an idea a little bit more so for like 
distributing the plants just in case she tries to run away but it's not her we'll talk about it all that stuff can wait for at least tomorrow now we need to get a hold of naya and kai i can message naya i'm in a couple group chats with her and see if at least i can get a hold of her and convince her to help us kai though i mean she just kind of stalks around outside the duncan's house doesn't she yeah she's a a shed dweller you know i'm also worried about getting kai involved because i don't want kai to tell Ivy. So is there anything that I should... You're worried about Kai telling Ivy, who's not in her right mind right now, that she's going to be there tonight? Kai doesn't really like me all that much. Kai doesn't really like anyone all that much. I'm not even sure she likes Ivy all that much. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. All right, I'll work my magic. But if you tell Kai that there's something going on with Ivy, she will stop what she's doing to help. There's at least that. Naya is a mixed bag. I don't know if she's going to help us or not. It's just worth a shot. God, again, wish we could bring Sam. Yeah, I really wish that Sam knew more about this stuff, but I think that Sam would actually turn into a puddle if they did know about this stuff. Um, and I don't want that to happen to Sam. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Let's get our, uh, our jobs done. I'll meet you at Sarah's place. Sawyer will just go in and grab your face and, and kiss you and pull away. We gotta make sure we do this right. Caleb, like, nods his head a little, taken aback all of a sudden, and then just goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to grab you by the front of your shirt and pull you in, kiss you again, and then pull back. Sarah's. Yep. And then, sorry, we'll start skateboarding away. <laughs> so you start skateboarding away, skateboarding towards the Duncan residence. It takes you from where the hockey um, arena is in town. Longboarding, probably about 15 minutes to get yourself to that house. But you do find yourself in front of the Duncan residence. I will try to stay along a far perimeter of the actual house, hoping that, you know, her dads don't hear my steps even in the grass and attempt to sneak my way uh, kind of along a back route towards the shed. You start walking back that way. It is dark this evening. There is, Ivy's yard isn't like tree covered. So whatever light the moon is giving is kind of the only light. There are a few lights through the windows that you can see, which isn't actually something you're used to. Usually the Duncans at night have their windows like completely covered in curtains and you make your way as softly, as slowly as you can into the backyard. You are cut off even before you get all the way back there by a figure pushing you against the outer fence and Kai is very close to your face. What's going on? I came looking for you. We need your help. Yeah, I gathered. Are we able to talk here? Yes and no. It's not the best place. Maybe we go a little bit out into the woods. A couple houses down should be fine. I'll try to slip away, but... She lets you. You can walk back out down the sidewalk a little bit. And she seems very uncomfortable not in the shadows because the sidewalk is a more lit place. And so like her hands are tucked deep into her pocket. Eyes just like scanning, looking around constantly, even though she is talking to you. I know something's going on. What is it? It's Ivy. She, well, she sucked Adam's stomach. And now she's got a thing inside her. And it's definitely controlling her. Maybe. But we're going to perform an exorcism. And we need your help. She's hard to read, so she's just looking past you in like a clinical, a focused sense. And then you say, we're gonna perform an exorcism, and her eyes immediately dart to you. I don't know if that's necessary. Pretty sure it is. She's got some fucked up shit inside her. We're getting a witch, actually. Okay, um, I thought she was fighting it. I just don't know if she's winning. Probably the first time, at least for you, Sora, that you see a crack in the facade of 
concern and also doubt as if she had created some type of reality that is not what was actually happening. Well, where is she? Because if she's not fighting it anymore, it's gonna win. I don't know if it's completely got her or anything. She's She can't know yet. We need to trap her and it on our terms. If we're gonna save Ivy, we definitely need you. Just roll a manipulate NPC. Two sixes. I'm not even kidding you. So a fucking a 13? I shit you not you know at least partially the type of relationship Kai has with Ivy. But you are also aware that she has a commitment to the Guardians and to protecting Wildmore. And so this is more of a way to be like, can you for a few hours redirect your focus? I think there was a shift in Kai since Halloween, where whether she wanted to or not, Ivy did become more important to her. And so she wasn't really concerned originally because she fully believed Ivy was gonna fight back and beat this thing. And it was gonna maybe live in her, but like not to her detriment. And you are now coming to Kai and telling her that that's not the case at all. And so her self-deprecation of being wrong just eats away at her ability to stay away. Well, we have to stop it then. Where are we going? Saris. Let's go. Caleb, you probably did not see Naya at this hockey game. Why would I? This is not Naya's scene. It's barely Damien's scene. Damien is just nosy enough to kind of be everywhere. So I am going to assume at least that she's not hanging out with Damien tonight. Hopefully free for a little exorcism. <laughs> I'm going to text her. Hey, Naya. Sorry, this is kind of out of nowhere. Remember how you were helping my brother with the stuff? Remember how it kind of jumped over to Ivy? It's worse. Do you think you could help us tonight? You see the dot dot dot, like, bubble for a little bit, it goes away. But you still hold out hope. And like, a minute and a half to two minutes later, all you get through is, I wasn't much help the first time. You are much more helpful than you realize. You were able to help keep Adam at bay for as long as you did. You can do a lot and we need anything right now. Maybe this isn't surprising, but I do know what Ivy is. I don't know if I can hold her back. Then it's not surprising that you know what I am and I can help with that. I'm sorry, what? What? Are you a dot dot dot? She told me not to say the word. Dot 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 sorta question mark. I don't know what that means. I'll be honest, I'm really lost here. Say the thing. Just do it. She asked me not to, but okay. I know Ivy is a vampire because she told me. She confided in me about that, but I told her already. I didn't know if I was going to be able to help. So I could try, Caleb, but I don't know. And then that's sent. And then it says, and if you're a wild card, too? I definitely don't know. At this point, I have pulled over on my bike, like, on the side of the road. Uh, I'm very close to the little quick mart. I, I take I take my phone, I kind of, like, press it against my forehead. I go inside the quick mart, and I buy peanut butter crackers for myself to help calm myself down, because I've already had two Slurpees. And then I leave the quick mart, I go back to where my bike is, I send a message to her. Well, Naya, here's another secret that you can't tell anyone. I might not be a vampire, but I'm pretty damn close. And unfortunately, all of the adults in this goddamn stupid godforsaken town are useless so we're all we've got if you need brute force i can help with that if she starts to thrash i'll pin her but i need your help naya mechanically naya is gonna gain a string on caleb 
and the text you received back, this is affecting all of us. I'll do what I can, but again, I can't make promises. I don't want you to expect of me something I can't give. I reply back, um, three of the peanut butter crackers stuffed in my mouth, like crumbs flying down my face. Good thing that I don't have any expectations. You three take a lot of humor in things I don't take humor in. Where do you need me to go? Uh, I sent her the address of Sarah's old house. Yeah, she likes it. A minute passes. Thanks, Naya. You are on your way to the Hooks residence when you get the text from Sawyer detailing the things that you need. You have been in this house before. You have been in this secret basement before. You know that so much of this house is covered in glass. And you have no idea if his parents are home, if his sister is home, as you start walking up the winding driveway. Pharaoh has a set of keys that Ellie let them borrow uh, one day whenever they were babysitting Annabelle. And they may or may not have made a copy just to keep. They get the text from Sawyer as they're like approaching the driveway and they just respond back. Okay, I'll pick you up after I grab those and my knives. Try to get everyone in one spot. I'm not a taxi. So there's like a side door that is closer to the basement than the front door is. So they're just gonna like sneak up there, do a quick look around to make sure no one's inside before just like slipping in and then making their way. You see that Ellie is home though. In the sitting room, which is right next to the kitchen, there is a glass of wine next to her. And there are also two bottles of wine on the table in front of her. Every time they see Ellie, they just get smacked in the face with guilt that isn't theirs to have, but it's that's just how it is anyways, because they genuinely like... She's drunk, so she's definitely not going to be as um, cognizant as normal anyway, so they are still sneaking and taking all the precautions, but maybe not as paranoid as what they would have been if someone who was on high alert was there, and they slip down towards the basement entrance. The passcode hasn't changed, the, the scanner on the wall hasn't changed, but you have already figured out how to bypass those, so you can get down into the basement easy peasy. I have, like, a duffel bag, so I'm kind of just muttering to myself, alright, raw artemisia, silver leaf, and I'm going through... I'm grabbing all the things that he said, but then I'm grabbing also, like, extra samples of everything and putting them in, like, a separate, like, pocket. Are you grabbing the way to discharge certain things, like the dark guns and stuff that his dad had, or are you just grabbing the raw materials? I am grabbing the raw artemisia, a few of the actual plants, and two dark guns with artemisia darts. Um, And then I'm also grabbing yellow aconium, as well as, like, any sort of dart that would be needed for that. And then I'm going to to do one quick scan before I run back to my house to see if there's anything else that looks like it could be used as defense. How much of the back room with all the files in it did you think you saw? Or is that even something on Pharaoh's mind So right files are so boring. I think Pharaoh might have opened a couple and if there were pictures, they'd have been like, ooh, but otherwise they're like, I don't have time to read all this shit. They would know that their file room is back there, but they wouldn't have pilfered too much. As you come back up the stairs, I need to ask you to roll to run away. So it's gonna be seven. You are able to extricate yourself from this secret hideout that the Hooks have. You are able to extricate yourself from the office that this place is hidden within. But as you are getting ready to like open the door and come out of it, you are caught by Ellie Hook thinking you were coming in. Into the house? Yes. And so you see this woman spin around and whip this wine glass to where the contents kind of are thrown out. Sawyer, I didn't know you were going to be home so soon. 
Pharaoh takes a moment and just goes, Sorry, I, I just had to... <clears throat> I just had to grab something before meeting my best friends for recreation. Yeah, you definitely have to roll manipulate NPC on that one. That was so bad. It's <laughs> a five. And she stops and she like looks at you very intensely, as intensely as a per- drunk person can look and says, I'm so sorry, you're not Sawyer. How are you doing, Pharaoh? Did I forget that you were supposed to babysit tonight? No, no, you're good. Um, I, I thought I left some homework over here but it's it's all good i'm sorry to oh well feel free to look around if you need to it should be here somewhere silly me you know i i found it in my bag as i was panicking pharaoh is so uncomfortable ellie gets up and starts walking towards you isn't it so funny the people we meet and how we're all related somehow pharaoh just like looks down they have no idea what to say I'm sorry, this isn't this is not on you. That's not what I meant. I just meant that when we met in the late summer, it just felt like we should have met and it was like you were the perf Annabelle loved you and all of that. And now we find out For what it's worth, Mrs. Hook, I I didn't mean to I don't know. Um, here, why don't I get you a glass of water? I'm not putting any of the blame on you, Pharaoh. That's not what I mean. I just think it's a co- wild coincidence. Pharaoh has like started moving Ellie back towards the couch and then is going to take their time to get a glass of water from the kitchen for her. Could you roll to shut someone down? Because I think I think this would help in the, in the sense of her not escalating the situation and you being able to maybe placate her and get out. Eight minus one, seven. You each give a condition to one another and you each lose a string on one another if you had one. You're getting the condition of bastard from Ellie. Casualty maybe? As you bring her this glass of water, she like sits up really close to you and she's like, I've really liked knowing you, Pharaoh. I think that Annabelle loved you, but you know what? We're gonna have to call it quits because you don't really belong here, do you? And that might be a travesty, but it's true. So maybe get the fuck out of my house, yeah? Pharaoh just sets the glass down on the table and nods. Yeah, I... I understand. Have a good night, Mrs. Hook. You are able to leave the house without any other accosting by any of the Hooks. There are like hot tears again, just like the angry, almost just kind of welling up, but they just shove that down and head over to their home base. The the lights are on in the house. You hear his dog barking inside. Pharaoh just bursts in the door, slams it behind them, yells over their shoulder into the living room where Elias is usually like hunkered up at this time of day. Found out what the hooks are, and they just head to their room, uh, assuming he's gonna follow, because that's how their updates usually go. He does, and this is the first time he probably hasn't asked to enter your room. Uh, what do you mean? What do you know? I open up the bet, the duffel bag that has the dart guns and everything, and then I take the extra bits that I had in my pocket and I put them on my shelf. Yeah, so we got like vampires and werewolves and stuff down. Do you want to take a wild guess about the fucking hooks? His eyes kind of scan what you have laid out before him. I don't think that I need to make that much of a wild guess. Yeah, they're humans. Elias? We're just fucking humans. Well, humans with a penchant for poison. Yeah, but I I thought we were gonna have like some sort of extra defense. Do you have any idea how f- have you seen? Obsidian will really want to hear about this. I know, this and I'll write up the report later, but right now I have to get over to Sarah's house because apparently we're doing a fucking exorcism. Do you have any books on that? You're doing what? The 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 freaking um goo 
right? Apparently it can infect people. It infected Adam, obviously, and then that got to Ivy. So now we have to, I have to exercise a vampire and not die, Elias. Do you have any other like helpful hints about that? Because I'm kind of panicking, to be honest. Fair, I've never been involved directly in an exorcism. And as far as I know, Obsidian has maybe done it one time? Who? Who did it? Do you have their number? It might be Agent Drummond. I know it's not going to be Agent Drummond. She doesn't know what she's doing. Well, she would be the only one who would have done it, Pharaoh. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, if anybody, if I knew somebody who had done it, okay, it was Okay, well, her. can you text her? I can't text her. She hates me. I don't think that that's the best idea because do we want to have the entire fucking team on their asses? Or do we want to know Elias, what happens? Elias, Ivy, the vampire, right? Keep up. Has a demon. One of those things is bad by themselves. Together, do you have any idea how dangerous that could be? You haven't seen her. You think that I'm going to allow you to just go and do that? Yeah, it's my fucking job. It's not actually. It would be mine to go supervise that. (laughs) They just kind of laugh and like turn back to their duffel bag. They have a few knives that they grab as well as like some extra rope and stuff. And they zip that up and they say, okay, well, I'm going to be at Sarah's house if anyone has any information they can give so I don't fucking die. That would be great. Are you going to be helpful? Elias leans up against the door. I'm sorry. I have become fond of you over the last few months, which is outside of my purview. And so I care for your well-being, much to apparently your dismay. So yes, you are correct. It is your job. I will be following up. I'm not letting you go alone, but I will keep my distance. Also, I am taking your car keys because I promised them a ride. So you might need to call someone else for like an Uber. I don't know if this town even has Uber. That's fine, Pharaoh. They take Beauregard out of their pocket and put him in his enclosure. Did all of this happen tonight? Because as far as we knew from homecoming... I may have left out a couple details. You did. The whole bravado they have kind of like sinks a little bit because they also do genuinely like Elias. And they say, well, yeah, I was I was kind of bonding. I don't know. It was dumb. With the dad that you Not hate? Not with the dad I hate, obviously. Obviously not. I mean, that's been your number one priority, despite what we want you to do, so... I just feel bad for Sawyer, okay? I told her that this was a big mistake, having somebody so close come in. And here you are, admitting! You are the one who hired a 14-year-old to do an FBI agent's job. That's an unfortunate thing that I was given as my job. I did not hire you, I did not- So then it's not your problem, it's fine. It is because what you do reflects on me. And again, as I had said, I don't want to see you get hurt. So take the car. It will keep your cover. I will find another way out there. Also, don't act like you know that place. Well, duh. I'm not an idiot. But I got some of the samples of the plants finally for you. So yeah, see, I know how to do my job. He's like in this strange place now after having known you for months between being your boss and being like a strange uncle father figure to you. As your lines have blurred, his lines have also blurred a little bit. And you can kind of see that like hesitation. But you are right, and he acknowledges that. I take a moment before I head out, and I look at him and I say, I promise I'm going to be as careful as I can. Just be on standby. I will be there waiting. I'm going to head out and grab the keys that are by the front door. I'm just going to look at Sawyer's location and start heading to that spot. You are able to pick up Sawyer and start heading out. You have now Kai with you. As you guys begin to head out that way, Caleb, you are just starting to arrive on your property on your bike and you know where to go you know where sarah's place is so you don't head for your house you head for hers as you're staying outside of her house and everybody else is kind of pulling in it's dark there's a november chill to the air as you step out of the car and naya arrives too and you all kind of like pull your jackets tighter around your bodies and in the distance the only lights you can see 
for miles are those coming from Caleb's actual house. But Sarah's two-story farmhouse sits abandoned and neglected like all the rest on the property. But tonight there's a heavy sense of foreboding. There's one window upstairs that was boarded from a summer storm the last year. But outside of that, the rest of the house simply just looks like no one has been home. It's dark and that's all you can really see from outside. And Caleb, you kind of stand there and look at this house of your aunt that you haven't seen in years. And you feel the presence of friends and allies coming up next to you. I have this memory for a moment. While everyone was so obsessed with Adam when we were growing up, don't get me wrong, I love my brother, I love my parents. It was hard not to also be obsessed with him too. Sarah was always very kind to me. She noticed whenever I got left out of things and she noticed whenever I was a little extra lonely, left behind. And so sometimes she would invite me over to her house. It was close, the area's safe enough. I would just kind of walk my way over, bundle myself up in a couple of layers, haphazardly, unmatched. She would laugh at them in good taste, tell me that I needed to work on my outfits a little better, tell me that I needed to do something about my hair. It was getting long again, and that I didn't like it when it got too long. And one time whenever I came over, she came out front, told me it was very important that I know something. And I thought it was going to be something secret, something special, something that, I felt like my parents would tell me eventually. But instead, she walked down her porch, past the rocking chair, and all the little pot potted plants that she kept lined up to where her wooden mailbox was that she had repainted time and time and time again because she could never really decide on the right color. And there were a patch of little rocks that were also painted, polka dots, stars, stripes, silly little patterns that she kept around the mailbox. Just something extra, a splash of color. There's one of them though that's painted like a little fox with its eyes closed, just resting. And she picked up the rock, turned it over on its belly. There's a secret little compartment in the bottom of it. She flipped it open, pulled out a key, a backup to the front door and told me, just in case you need somewhere to escape to for a little bit. And now without her here, with my friends starting to gather around me, I go next to the mailbox. It's overgrown, there are weeds everywhere, dirt, debris, fallen leaves. I brush some of them to the side and those rocks are all still down there, and I pull up the one that looks like a tiny little fox, I flip it over, slide open the secret compartment, and pull out the key. At this point, this pretty balanced hockey game that not a lot of the cheer squad has been able to watch. Um, a lot of them actually have left or have gone to the hospital, but Ivy stuck around to watch Adam sitting in the box with the rest of the team. It does not go in Wildmore's favor, and the other team scores another goal right before the buzzer goes off, and we hit the end of this game with Wildmore down by one with no availability to come back. The team looks hanging heads, pretty dejected, comes back to the box. Adam comes in. Honestly, seemed like he's kind of ignoring you in the box. Ivy immediately goes up to Adam. After he takes off his helmet, she like kind of jumps up and like wraps her arms around him and like gives him a very uncomfortably deep kiss in front of everyone. There's like a moment where you feel his arm like wrap around you and him respond. And then like very quickly after that, it's like a pulling away and being like, Ivy, I'm just not in the mood. It's okay, I get it. The rest of this team are fucking losers anyway, but you did great. No, man, I mean, Ivy, we all, like, we're a team. We did it together. It kind of all sucked. We could have pulled it together in the end, and we didn't. And it just, like, fucking hurts. I don't know. First game, we've, like, always won the first game. Ivy still has her wrists around the back of his neck, and she's up on her tiptoes. And she pulls his head closer to her 
and she says, I think I know something that would make you feel better. I mean, listen, you know that like I never say no to that, but like I just don't know. It's like a, it's just like a feeling like a rough night and honestly, I think it'd be cool to just like chill. Yeah, we can chill. Sure. Okay, cool. I'm going to text everybody, okay? Ivy, your phone goes off. Um, Caleb, your phone goes off. Sorry, your phone goes off as you are pulling up to Sarah's house, um, standing out there and it just says, yo, where'd you guys go? Thought we could all go to Joe's together. I'll look at Caleb. I'm holding my phone. Oh, fuck. I totally forgot about that. This is just a message between Adam and I. Slight change of plans. Did you win? No, with a sad face. I react to it with like a little thumbs down. Hey, so this is gonna sound terrible and I need you to know that I'm saying this because I want to keep everyone safe. You need to listen to me right now. The thing that's in you, we know that it jumped to Ivy. I saw it rear its head after the dot 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 cheerleading incident tonight. Who are you texting? I'm sorry, babe, what? Where's the rest of your cheerleading squad? They're all like usually out here jumping up and down at the end of the game. Most of them went with Alina or like went home. I don't know if you saw Alina like jumped off the top of the fucking pyramid for some reason. What? I think she just needed more attention. But yeah, so she kind of like fucked up her leg and she had to go to the hospital. It was really crazy. I'm making a roll for Adam. As this is all going on, it's just like message after message after message. Adam, we both know how strong she is. I think she's slipping. I think she did that. I know that that thing has a bad hold on you and I don't know how you've made it stay down but I think she's struggling and I think we need to try and get it out. The only actual text you get back from Adam says I want it gone. Ivy he goes that fucking sucks. Yeah it was tragic for sure. I mean it definitely ruined the routine. Like she's gonna be okay? Yeah she's gonna be fine. She like I don't know sprained her ankle or something like it was fine. She's gonna be okay. Trust me. Here's my thing. Everybody's being stupid about me wanting to go to Joe's. I thought it'd be cool. We could get the band back together, you know? Yeah. No one fucking responded to my text. So instead, I was going to ask this of you, but then we lost. So maybe I shouldn't ask. What is it? I just thought, you know, I've been pretty hesitant about shit for a while. And I know you know that. Mm -hmm. And like, I thought maybe we could like go back to my place tonight since nobody apparently wants to hang out. Yeah. I mean, do you want to go right now? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I just got to get out of my uniform and then I'm, I'm there. Okay. Yeah. Um, you drove here? Yeah. I'll meet you in the car. And he gives you a little kiss before he dashes off into the locker room. The message that's waiting for Adam whenever he goes to the locker room says, We're at Sarah's old place. I tried to get whoever I could think of to help. If all goes according to plan, I guess we could go to Joe's. As Ivy watches Adam go with the rest of his players into the locker room, she turns around and glances down at his phone that she's plucked from his pocket. She types in the passcode, her birthday. It's the same as it always was. She goes to his recent texts and sees Caleb right at the top. You get a text back. I can get her to our house at least. I don't know if I can convince her to go to Sarah's. I'll try. You could try to set it up like there's someone home. I can go turn on the lights over there, play some loud music in my room, have her put the pieces together of what I could be doing. Sarah's place is abandoned. We all know that. She likes one about the Moore's house. And then she sends back, I don't know how much I can lie to her without knowing. I'll try. I like it. She slips his phone into the waistband of her cheerleading skirt and walks out into the parking lot to wait for Adam. Caleb, when you look up from texting, Sawyer's motioning for you to come near and kind of gathering everyone in a huddle. Okay, so, uh, can I have the 
duffel bag. I nod my head and I, I take my butterfly knife out of it and I hand you the duffel bag. All the plants and stuff are like hidden inside pockets. So if you open it up, you'll see that you can't see it directly. But you do see like there's like three other knives, some rope, chains. I just kind of briefly open it to show case the plants and then close it. That's Artemisia. It um, has a lot of different effects based on how you use it, but it's different for Ivy since Ivy's, you know, half. What do it do? It's kind of like an asthma attack if, if it touches her, but if it's just nearby, it can just be fatigue and lower her, I guess, skills a little bit. So I don't think it would be good to keep it necessarily in the house when she's here, but perhaps rubbing it um, nearby or keeping some shavings in a bag or something just in a separate room, something where the proximity of it is just going to dampen her abilities. Pharaoh definitely has a little bit in their pocket. I have um, these two dark guns, which they're for emergencies only. What's in the guns? It's the same thing. It's just a different concentrated version of it. I, I'm afraid, though, if we have to use that, that it might put Ivy into a coma or worse. Really just playing with a lot of fire here, aren't we? I would personally enjoy if we didn't send Ivy into some sort of state she couldn't come back from. I think she'd be able to come back from it, or I could try to whip something up. It's, again, it's just for the very, very last resort. Like, let's say she's running away into the woods and we're never gonna see her again and this thing's just gonna eat her alive and I have one shot and I aim and I got a fire, you know? I shake my head and I say, if I go down. Or that. That's it. Worst case scenario, if something happens to Ivy, we won't have to worry about it for too long because her dads will kill us. So, silver linings. Not me, they love me. Caleb barks out a laughter. Like, it shocks out of him. Naya speaks up and she says, I thought that I was here to, of like, prevent any of this from happening. That's the plan. This is all preventative. I said worst case. So that's the second preventative measure because I'm the first? A slash B. This is playing like Z. Kai goes with a smirk on her face. We're playing uh, D through Y. Oh, you want me to list them out for you right now? Like we have the time? I think we're fucking going into this, so it'd be good to know what fucking plans D through Y are, Sawyer. And I'll share them with you. Why when... do you not like me? I do. I've never gotten that opinion. You don't like me. Correct. We'll solve this problem later. I'm going to put my hand on Sawyer's shoulder and just kind of squeeze it a little bit. Not crowd into his space, but like stand next to him and look at Kai. We don't have much of a plan. The only plan is that we need to get that thing out of Ivy. These are the extreme packups. We're the rest. Did Ivy tell you what it was? What's in her? Because I told her what it was. Caleb narrows his eyes. How much do you know about it? Does it have a name? It doesn't have a name like we have a name. It's known as a shadow creature. But there are many shadow creatures. This one, though, is old, and it knows you all. So I don't know what happened during its creation, but it's not here by accident. I told Ivy, and I guess in a way, good she didn't pass it on, but now it's not so good. Because you're the ones who are going up against it. But I've never heard of a shadow creature being killed or put at bay by anybody other than the person it is possessing. Then that's why we use the preventative measures like we did before. The kiss, Ivy kissed Adam and that, that fixed it. Put it away. Correct, in a way. All I mean is that that's what we have to go into tonight doing is we have to get her to want to fight it. So what you're saying is we need to defeat the demon with the power of love? Is, is that what you're saying to me? Because that doesn't seem like a great plan, personally. Kai 
bland face looks at you and says, have you ever been possessed by a shadow creature? Because literally the thing they do is they eat at every single insecurity you've ever happened. So I don't know, I think maybe it's cheesy, but having my friends around me wanting to save my life would be one impetus to uh, stop that insecurity from coming to life. Okay, I guess that's fair. Pharaoh, I know that you're a little new to all of this, but I wish I could say it's a lot less cheesy than it actually is. We're dealing with mythical creatures of old folklore. I think a little bit of kindness is the least of our concern. I fought back these creatures and more with totems and fists. It's what all of us guardians do. I've never actually defeated one. I fought them back from piercing the veil of Wildmore. I've never tried to unpossess a person. So take what I have to say with a grain of salt, I suppose. So let's say Ivy shunts it out. Where does it then go? I have some jars. If it's like a goo from like the exorcist, maybe. All right. Put it in a jar. Kai, you're used to keeping these things out of the veil. If it's in the veil, does it destroy itself or does it stay here? This one is different. I fought back fucking animated skeletons with their eyes on fire. I fought back ghosts. I fought back a shadow creature before, but I haven't fought any of them back that have been as powerful or have taken possession of somebody. So if we, there might be two parts, we might have to get it out and then get rid of it. You know, we really got to fucking have a conversation with the adults because if you've been training for war this whole fucking time and we've just been going to high school what the fuck yeah like we skipped at least five levels here we're going up against the big bad evil guy that's what my entire life has been pharaoh's jaw dropped when you mentioned skeletons with fire eyes and it has not closed yet i don't think you guys know what you're asking for you should have known because of who you are to this town no doubt i still don't know why the fuck that was kept that's why you guys are so insufferable to me is because unfortunately the fucking adults didn't know how to prep you for all of this. But honestly, I don't think I would have wished that on anybody else. Kind of fucking sucks. Yeah, it does. We can sit here and talk in circles for hours, though. We can try and do something about it. I'm telling you what it is, what she should have told you it was, but obviously it was too far gone for her to have considered letting you in on that situation. Thank you, for what it's worth. I pass a dart gun to Caleb. I hold on to the dart gun. I look at Sawyer, and I kind of give a little bit of a shrug, and then squint my eyes in a way that just says, trust me and I hand it to Kai. Pharaoh raises their hand. Can I have one? I don't have claws or skeleton fighting powers. You have like five knives. I have one knife and I gave the rest to you guys. No offense, Pharaoh. I just don't know how you feel about Ivy and this is like really fucking dangerous. They bristle a little bit at that. I mean, she's scary, but I know she's important to you guys. Jeez. I know, and you're here. I'm not trying to discredit it. I just, it's like the last fucking resort, you know? Yeah, yeah, I got it. All right, so are we cool with kind of spreading, rubbing some of the plant around the house? I'm going to hand the key to Sarah's house to Sawyer. Go ahead and set up whatever you think that you can. Sarah's living room should be fine enough. I mean, it's not like she's using it for anything right now. If some tables or chairs get tossed around, then I could say it was the wind. I'm gonna run back to my house really quick, make it look like people are there. Adam's on his way over with Ivy. He can get them to our house. Convincing her to come to Sarah's is something else. So I'll try and set a scene. 
Do you need anything from us? I open my mouth. I close it. Kind of like look up like I'm thinking about something. I lean in and kiss your forehead. That's it. And then I jog back over to my house. Gross. So are you take this key followed by Pharaoh, Kai, and Naya up to Sarah's house. And as you go to put the key in the door to turn the knob and open it, it doesn't need a key. It's open. Oh, fuck this shit. Pharaoh, you want to go first? Pharaoh looks at him and goes, sure. And they kind of like, just like slowly. The door looks like it should creak super loudly, but when they like go for it, it's like quieter. There's still a couple creaks, but like they're very sneaky and they kind of like pop their head in and they like disappear into the room, barely on the inside. Sorry, just takes a step behind Kai in the line. (laughs) Kai, without a second question, just shoves the door the rest of the way open and charges right in. Naya's right behind you, and as you follow, Naya kind of like also like creeps in and shuts the door behind her. Like all the way. You hear it latch. Sawyer jumps. It's okay, I'm just on edge. You've never been in Sarah's house before. If you were ever invited over to Caleb's house, when you guys were younger, it was to Caleb's house. So you don't really know what this place is supposed to look like. It's pretty dusty. Like everything is covered in a pretty thick layer of dust. And that's what you notice until you also notice that the dust is unsettled. You see dozens of shoe prints across the floor. You see places where objects were picked up and shifted slightly, where the wooden finish underneath is gleaming in the moonlight that comes through the window. So this obviously hasn't been left alone for as long as the dust has accumulated. Oh wow, hey, fuck all of this. Pharaoh's like poking around at like a table and they say, are there like hobos here? Hobos, are you here? Pharaoh, you know why things are disturbed. So Obsidian has moved into Wildmore, taking over the police investigation. And after Daniel Moore went to the police with the news of Sarah's disappearance, Obsidian was given access to the Moore property. And they scoured it every single inch, finding the marsh, taking samples of the black goo. But more importantly, this was also used as a cover for Elias and Pharaoh to sneak onto the property and enter Sarah's Moore's house. Abandoned though it may be, it's not boarded up. It's not falling into a complete state of disrepair. It's only been a couple years maybe since she held residence there. And so the shutters are weathered and the grass is overgrown, but otherwise the house stands as it always has, a little bit beaten and used, but nowhere near unsalvageable. And you and Elias walk up to the front of it, making note that no one's around you, no one's keeping eyes on you as you do this. As they walk up to the house, Pharaoh turns to Elias and just goes, you know, this is my first government-sanctioned trespassing. I'm kind of excited. He pauses mid-stride for a minute, shakes his head, and says... You always tend to bring to light or say things that we are doing in the most negative light or that have the worst connotations. It's it's not a bad thing, you know. Um, they they kind of like, sho- like shove him with their elbow. You know, baby's first crime. I understand you being a little nervous, but you know, it's not like even if we get caught, we'll be in trouble. So this is probably like the best way to introduce you to this kind of thing. You know, I'm really happy to help guide you through this whole situation. I think that it's really sweet that you think this is my first time. (gasps) Elias. Elias, you need to tell me more immediately. Pharaoh, this is my job. (laughs) Yeah, but like, I don't know. Were you also like a rebel kid? Like the way you said that made me think that like you also got kind of kidnapped and sort of strong-armed into doing this. Are we a lot alike? Elias, are we like twins? He has a, a small smile on his face. And reaches his hand into his front pocket. Is it really a B and E though if you have a key? Technically no. And he puts the key into the front door 
and unlocks it and pushes it open. You kind of stand in a little bit of an entryway. It's pretty small. And then like immediately there's a door frame and through the door frame is... I don't even know how to describe this room like as like a living room or a sitting room. It's kind of none of those. There's just like a, a table in the center of it. And there's like a desk and some like small shelves to one side. It's just kind of like an, a front entryway almost. And the first thing you notice upon entrance is that everything in here is covered in a layer of dust. Uh, Pharaoh sort of like toes their shoe along the ground just to sort of kick up some of the dust. And they're looking around and they say, uh, so we're 100% certain that a big scary werewolf lady isn't just going to jump at us from a closet and eat us whole. I don't know if we can say that we're 100% certain about that, Pharaoh, actually, because um, I don't know what to expect in here. But the fact that Daniel Moore said she hasn't been seen in a long time makes me think that that's probably not going to happen. Do you think she has, like, a literal werewolf puppies, like, hidden in the basement? I don't They've been, like, hibernating? No, no, does Caleb look like a puppy? I don't know what they look like as babies. How about we table that discussion for another day and instead see if you can find anything that mentions the families or that talks about maybe where she was headed since she's not here. Pharaoh is going to... Anything that's, like, laid out on top of... Um, like desks and things, they're going to let Elias sort of skim through. And they're just going to actually look for like a cellar or a basement door or an attic or like a room that would normally be used to like hide things. That's going to be their first like goal to find. You kind of maneuver through the house. You see that your shoes leave footprints in the dust as you go. Elias has moseyed over and is like picking through this small stack of papers in a basket on one of the tables as you do this. You kind of open doors as you go. You open the door to a bathroom. You open the door to a closet. And then you open a door that has probably about like 12 steps down into kind of a darkened area, which you assume would be a basement. They bring their phone flashlight out and Pharaoh just sort of shines it down onto like the steps to make sure they're not going to like break their ass on like a missing piece of wood or anything. Yeah, it doesn't look like the steps are carpeted like it's a finished basement in any sense, but... They are, they do look secure enough, uh, just wooden slats going down. And they're gonna pat Beauregard, like, that's, like, just, like, chilling in their pocket. And they say, you ready to go down to the creepy basement, bud? Kind of chirps as you pat. And they start headed down. They're, they're, they're not unfamiliar with, like, dark, creepy areas. They are keeping an eye out for, like, glowing red eyes or anything like that. Like, that thought pops in their head, like, monsters are real now, so I do actually have to keep an eye on that. You actually see that the floor kind of like slopes upward a bit so that there's a part of the basement that is smaller and you can kind of see maybe at one point had been even smaller than what it is now Um, because you kind of see like a a frame kind of surrounding where maybe like more was dug out. In the shorter part of this room, there's also like the remnants of a door at the top. So like at one point, maybe this was a root cellar of sorts for an older generation that lived there. It looks mostly just like storage though. There are boxes, some like cardboard, some the big plastic containers. Nothing jumps out is like trying to be hidden down here. Pharaoh pokes around just for like a couple minutes. Um, 
seeing if any of these crates or boxes look like they were opened in a hurry or like someone's trying to dig in to get something out quickly. A lot of them are labeled, actually. Some Halloween decorations or some Christmas decorations. There's like a lot of like old clothes in boxes, maybe keeping for posterity, maybe boxing up to give away at some point. The cardboard boxes are kind of like old and used and damaged a little bit, but none of them seem to have been like flung open in a hurry to find something as you're running out of the house. They're going to head upstairs to try and find like the master bedroom and just investigate to see if there's, I'm not saying to see if there's any jewelry or trinkets that maybe would fit in pockets. I'm not saying that. I'm definitely just looking for clues. Wink, wink. Don't worry. It's just clues. No shiny trinkets to put in my pocket. You find the master bedroom easily enough as it is the biggest bedroom and it has a bathroom attached to the bedroom itself. And you know, while you're moseying, poking through some drawers and some old boxes, you find some things that you just happened upon. Just some earrings, some necklaces, a couple rings, nothing crazy. I think I think I'll grab a couple of the rings. You know, I'm not a big like earring or necklace person, but you know, if the rings happen to fit, nothing wrong with that. Pharaoh sees like a little tiny, whether it's like fake gold or real gold, but it's just like a gold chain bracelet. And they pick that up and they sort of like fish in their pocket and like pull Beauregard. He's in the middle of a nap, so he's not really having this. <laughs> he's, he's very sleepy like, dude come on um but uh pharaoh pulls Beauregard's head up and like fashions the little gold chain around his neck and pharaoh has like a bit of a laugh to himself about that and then Beauregard is just like i, I need to go back to sleep this is this is just par for the course with you i'm fucking tired and then they like burrow he like burrows back into their coat as they probably find like a couple rings that fit put it in their pocket because Elias doesn't need to see that, but then we'll look in earnest for any, like, family crests on stuff, or memorabilia, or, like, papers hidden under the mattress, things like that. No papers hidden under the mattress, but you are opening, like, the drawers of the bedside tables, and you find a small leather notebook of sorts. There's no writing on the outside, no title or anything, but it's kind of, like, bound with a bit of, like, a, a tie on it. I'll undo that tie and open it up to see if this is like diary or maybe just like just like a little poem book or something. Diary might be too young and intimate for what this is, but it is it does seem to be a personal journal. And you kind of like plop down on the bed a little bit and flip through the pages of this. I'd, I'd like to go to the last entry first and see what that says. December 21st of the year, almost two years prior to where you are now in our present day and there's only a few words on this entry and it says i think the heart is killing us i'll i'll, I'll like read like the past couple entries before that too for hopefully more context you don't see anything specific about the heart necessarily a lot of it is just commentary on like family dynamics and what she is noticing about the families but there's nothing about the heart on that page or the few pages prior. Um, in regards to family dynamics, do I also see any mention of, like, the wolf in this diary as I flip through? There, there are a few things that you glean. And when you kind of turn back to the front and start over, you do see another mention of the heart. This journal is, isn't, is like, super duper thick, 
that seems to hold only her most important observations over like many a year. Like one of the very first entries is from 15 years ago. This isn't like a day-to-day -day journal. This is more of a, here are the important manifestations of what's happening within the houses. And so on the date of February 14th, 15 years ago, it reads, the first Duncan kid. I have an inkling of what Bast has done, not blood, now blood that sealed her fate the threads from the heart connect her now she's next in line and the next one that catches your attention is another february 14th date from five years later so 10 years prior to our current time bass doesn't want to do it anymore i'm not sure we have an option pharaoh's first thought is like an affair but then they go back to that first century and they're like is this a Riddle? I'm not good at riddles, so I'm gonna say it's not a riddle. Any of the ones that like really stick out is where they gotta like do a quick snapshot to be like, maybe I'll figure it out later. You had an inquiry about the wolf. You see one dated September 2nd, eight years prior, and it reads, The majority of the time it's been the eldest. That's the assumption they're under. But I know the wolf better than any of them, and I'm not sure. Pharaoh reads that and they're just like, hey, Aunt Sarah's pretty figuring stuff out i wish i was because most of this makes no fucking sense <sighs> take a breather it's fine it's weird magic shit we'll figure it out one more entry that sticks out to you that doesn't have to do with the heart doesn't have to do with the werewolf at all but is just like more specifically about the families and their history from june 13 only four years prior it says bill seems to have it in his mind to own the whole town he doesn't have the money for it, not like B&G. I can't imagine they'll let him do it. I don't know when things shifted. For my parents and my grandparents, the Hooks always headed out for the Moors. Maybe it's because we've been leaking money for years now, but William threw his ire at the Duncans and never looked back. Pharaoh's gonna read that uh, and sort of think to themselves, well, at least I'm not the only one who's annoyed or who dislikes William. Are there any other mentions of either William or Sawyer in this? There are no mentions of Sawyer. You see William or Bill throughout talking mostly about, like, his ambition almost in shifting his status or the Hook status within Wildmore itself. Lord knows he's only trying to do it for himself. Just the idea that, like, he's putting so much effort here but couldn't even be bothered to respond to an email from them is kind of annoying. But they knew what he was like. They're unable to find anything else about, like, weird magic shit. Like, if it seems to be mostly business, I think they kind of get aboard with a few of these passages before... They're not going to tie the thing all the way back, but they're just, they are just—they are going to put the journal back in the drawer and look around the room uh, a little bit more before calling down the stairs to Elias. Like, hey, did you find anything? Do you have any Claritin? It's dusty as hell here, dude. I was just about to ask you the same thing. Not about the Claritin. Just found anything up there? I found a journal that had some mentions about um, like a heart and then uh, about how William is trying to like buy the town basically and Sarah she, actually she was pretty up to date on like where the wolf was actually gonna go so she's been suspecting Caleb of being the one to have it for a while now. Any inclinations about where she got off to? The last entry from two years ago just says that I think the heart is killing us. His eyebrows kind of crinkle in. Let's ominous and confusing is there like a big like eldritch horror monster that's just like a big heart that might be like 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 a aortic tentacles that we should be wary of do you know what, am i sounding crazy or do you know what i'm talking about 
I hope to God not. Beauregard pokes his head out, just like sniffs there a little bit and looks around, then gives like a little tiny rat sneeze and then dives back into the pocket. Well, check this out and tosses you a piece of paper. It is a bus ticket from January of the year prior that was never used and is just sitting there. And he taps the table and next to where he's tapping, there's kind of like an outline of dust from where that piece of paper sat. And next to the piece of paper is a set of keys. Looks like she never actually left. Do you think she got taken? Do they have, like, enemies? I don't know about the Moors. I can only imagine individuals like Bast and Gabriel, who've been around for longer than we, any of us can say, have enemies. Do you think there's, like, another hidden rock cave that she might be, like, holed up in? I wish we could get into what you told us about without them knowing, because... Maybe she's just in there. That doesn't make sense, because then they would know where she was. I mean, I still kind of want to get in there, um, but someone will let me have access to C4, so... We can't just be that obvious about it. Also, why would we give you C4 when we have, like, a bomb squad that could deal with that type of thing? I never, I've never lit a bomb before. I mean, I made one, but it didn't really work. You shouldn't. You're 14. I just feel like it's really cool, though. Yeah, you've seen Mythbusters, right? I've seen it happen so many times. I'm pretty sure that they I could... They are trained professionals. Yeah, but you know, like, 10,000 hours is, like, makes you, like, an expert on something. I've watched at least 10,000 hours of Mythbusters, so I'm pretty sure I You're can You're an expert on Mythbusters, then, Pharaoh. That's about it. Just saying. Jamie wouldn't speak to me like this. Jamie hasn't been tasked with your care and well-being. He wished he was that lucky. You've gotten to a point in your relationship with Elias where it's moved past professional and only business like it was at the beginning to this like odd couple sort of relationship. It is always awkward, but not to like an uncomfortable extent. It's just how it's going to be with this older guy and this young kid who don't have any connection, but we're forced together. Nothing in common. And I think Pharaoh really finds that super amusing. Um, And so they just lean into it and they think it's so fun. You know, like when like you could tell when someone actually thinks it's funny, even if they're like, that's not funny, you quit it or whatever. Pharaoh's like, you think I'm funny. You you like this dynamic we have going on. I'm going to like rib you a little bit more because it, you know, we have to maintain our sanity somehow with all these fucking literal monsters running around. He says, but the... Bus tickets, the only thing in note I found down here. She didn't seem to be... I mean, it doesn't seem like she left in a hurry at all. Like she was expecting to come back? It just doesn't seem that she was, like, frantically running from something. It just seems like she was gonna leave one day. She had a plan, but maybe it didn't go according to... And as you're kind of watching him think about this and try to put some sort of theory together, he's kind of standing in front of the front door. And your eyes are drawn to the door frame, And you could almost miss it if you weren't so focused. But it looks like there's like a carving of some sort of odd symbol like around the door frame. Is it like high up like above uh, my head? It might go down the sides a little bit, but not all the way down. It's just on the top. Uh, Pharaoh's gonna grab the, the chair that was like at the desk Elias was sort of rifling through. Um, they're just gonna drag it over and then get up on it to get a closer look. They kind of like run their fingers along the etching. Does it look familiar? I don't want to say familiar because I don't think Pharaoh knows 
anything about this, but I think I'll say that it looks familiar as in, you know that Obsidian has been trying to decipher the writings on what this the kids in this town call the Devil Shrine, and that these marks look like something that you could find on that plinth. Do these, uh, do we know what these mean yet? There's, it looks like more Devil Shrine markings. Our team hasn't been successful in deciphering any of that. Currently, they haven't found any similar linguistics or anyone with the knowledge of such linguistics. But from my time working with Obsidian and just from general common sense, I can only imagine that these are etched here for some sort of safety protection. We need to check the other entrances, windows, doors, see if there's any more of these. As you guys both kind of go around the house, you see that while they're not necessarily like all the way across every space, every single window and every single door frame, even if it is just a room in the house connecting to another room in the house, has something of a symbol on it. I'm going to text my good buddy Damien and just say, hey, was curious about the Devil Shrine. Was that written by aliens? Or is it connected somehow? Should we investigate that? Hopefully his enthusiastic self will give at least some sort of like local, you know, like lore or something about it. It takes like five to seven minutes for him to get back with you. And when he does, you get a five to seven minute voice message. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) You listen to like the first minute of it, maybe, in which Damien says... Okay, so yeah, so like the Devil Shrine, I don't know why people call that. I don't think it has any relation to demons or the devils or the hells or anything like that. I do definitely think it could be alien. Like, why else? Who else would have just like dropped some random rock with some creepy ass markings on it in the middle of a nothing town? I don't know. And it's there and it's right behind City Hall. And I think that the aliens are trying to invade the government and take over Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I turn it off. And I, and I look at Elias and I go, I'll send this to you. That kid is pretty obsessed with aliens. It, it feels like all of your talks, chats with him comes back to aliens. He could give me a ride when you're busy or whatever. So plus I think he's funny. He is helpful in a sense and also terrifying in a sense, seeing as his dad is a chief of police. He's a very delicate relationship for you to have and keep. It's Fine. Honestly, I'm just trying to keep an eye on him because I'm afraid he might accidentally stumble across something real. I've made him think it's all just aliens. Have you actually watched his theory videos? All the conspiracies? Yeah, every lunch he makes me watch them. He is one of those people that has absolutely stumbled upon way too many true things and just interpreted them wrong. So I just continue to hope that he stays on this love of aliens for our sake. And that's what I'm here for. Again, look at me going above and beyond in my role here. I really am a necessary asset to this organization, don't you think? Apparently you are, because here we are. For what reason? Well, I'm sure the team will want to come through here later. It's kind of a bust though. They'll just double check our work. More eyes on it's never a bad thing. But for now, we should get out before somebody comes snooping. And he places the bus ticket back, like, exactly in the spot he picked it up from. And opens the front door, kind of motions you out, closes it, locks it behind him, kind of looks around the property. You don't know maybe if it was what you had just said to him in the bathroom. There's, like, a pause where 
it looks like he's gonna say something and then he reroutes and he says, let's just go home for now. We can check in with the agency later. As long as you do the paperwork, I'm fine with that. I always do the paperwork. See, and that's why we work so well. If you get in the car, I'll make that weird mac and cheese that you like, okay? Come on. <laughs> they pull up to the car with the panko breadcrumbs in it. <laughs> Five cheese. <laughs> yes. All right, let's pick a room. What's a good room? Naya and Kai have kind of split off looking around. And Naya goes, oh, and looks at you and says, that looks familiar. And she's pointing at the wooden frame around a window. And you see very small, but as she pointed out, you see carved symbols that don't look unfamiliar to you. They look like wards. They look like what Naya had used on Adam. Wonderful. I would assume that would mean if every window in this house is like that, that any place would be okay. Maybe something on the second floor. We need enough space to... Pharaoh is... They're just specifically going to all the places they know they touched and touching them again because there's a wolf boy about to be here with a good nose and they're worried. As you're searching through this house, you notice that kind of all of the rooms have these tracks through them. Sawyer, you guys look for an upper room and you find the one in which the, the window was boarded up outside. It's a bedroom, so there is a bed within it. There is a, uh, like a rocking, a wooden rocking chair beside the bed. There's a bedside table. There is a dresser and a vanity. There is like an old green lace carpet on the floor and it seems as good a room as any. Sawyer opens the duffel bag, grabs some of the artemisia, and starts just kind of crumpling up some and just rubbing it against the walls, just all around on the walls, and hands some to Pharaoh. Could you get that side and I'll get this side of the room? We'll meet in the middle. Naya says, she's kind of looking up at the walls. I would have done my own wards, but they're already here. And then her eyes drift over to the window and on that boarded up window is a like a larger drawing of a ward. Everywhere else is pretty tiny. This is like a large drawing of one. And she goes, what about maybe the rocking chair? We could move that to the middle and then... Ward around it? I don't know. I don't know how your stuff works. I mean, the rocking chair in itself is kind of creepy. I mean, I'm hoping to... Oh, you're going to put Ivy in the rocking chair, not in the bed. The rocking chair looks like I could break it in half, so maybe we don't give her access to a bunch of pointy sticks. True, true, true. Okay, bed. Need a knife? And she takes the knife. Instead of carving this, this into the bed, she slits her finger and wipes blood in the shape of the ward onto the bed. I'll start kind of rubbing the artemisia over the walls and slowly but surely get closer and closer to pharaoh pharaoh's doing the same and they also like rubbed a little bit onto their wrists like a perfume almost just kind of like covering any bases they can and they eventually meet sawyer probably next to the window with the larger ward on it at the other end of the room so how did uh, breaking into my house go it seems like it went pretty well yeah it went great your mom thought i was you my mom saw you yeah and then when she realized it wasn't you she kicked me out, which, fair, I was breaking in, but I don't think she's going to want to ever look at me, let alone talk to me ever again. She's kind of taken the whole thing um, as she would, you know. I, I tried to apologize. I, I don't think she wanted to. That's obviously, you know, but if, in case if we do die tonight, I just want to say sorry for breaking up your family. That was not my intention. I just kind of wanted to screw your dad over. I don't blame you, like, at all. It, 
in case you didn't know that. Whether or not you blame me, I did actively go after him, and I didn't really think about the family he cared about, so... I mean, it could have maybe been handled a little differently, maybe a little bit more gently, but um, I'm happy that you at least did what you did so that we could know the truth. Pharaoh pauses for a moment, like they're not sure if they want to say the next thing. And they turn to you and they say, not trying to sound like a creep, but from the time I was watching you guys, it seemed like not just William, but Ellie also, they seemed pretty involved. <laughs> yeah, it's a little overbearing. I mean, it's nice sometimes because, you know, you always feel like you're being protected. Like someone's got your back even if you don't want them to, which is always something that I cherished but it also sucks because you just can't you just can't do anything you just can't live you see pharaoh's jaw kind of like set and like that anger starts like welling up on their face again and they just kind of they just kind of say yeah must suck i'm not saying i would trade it though i just that is how i felt about it my mom when i was younger she had your dad up on a pedestal pretty much every time she had a new boyfriend girlfriend partner whoever come through they were never good enough for her she would always be like oh william would be like this or william would do that but after trying to talk to him the first time and then meeting him i don't know i think she just had an ideal and because it was impossible for William to fill that, he might as well have been the one to take that space up in her mind. You know what I think? What? I think we ought to get our moms together to go on some sort of wine tour. <laughs> they need to go to a couple of vineyards. We should get them matching t-shirts. That would be awesome. Your mom is too nice for mine. My mom, god, she's, she's, she's great. She's more business than fun, I'll say. I don't know what she would do if your mom tried to hand her a cocktail. I think our moms need each other. My mom needs a little edge. And my mom needs to, I don't know, relax a bit, probably. Hey, uh, you didn't have to be involved in all this, but I'm really glad that you're here. When you say that, they give, like, the cursory nod, and they say, oh, well, you know, it kind of all spiraled away out of control didn't mean to get involved in this in particular. You know, exorcisms were not part of my to-do list when I came through here. Me neither. I think we should maybe talk after this. I'm not one to, like, break up family business or whatever, but maybe talking after this would be a good idea. And Kaya's, like, standing back against the wall next to the window, kind of, like, looking out the one good window in this room, arms crossed, half looking out the window, half watching you guys. I don't mean to rush it. I've never done an exorcism. Do we need candles? What's the whole situation? Uh, just keep in mind maybe some things that would entice Ivy to be Ivy. If it's about making her comfy, does she have, like, a favorite band? We could play music. Music? Oh, well, uh, if there's a song and I try to reach over to Pharaoh and I like open up the duffel bag while I'm speaking and put in all of my Artemisia. I put back some of it, but I do have some more in my pocket. I just keep collecting little bits. The more nervous I get, the more Artemisia I had like have hidden on me. Uh, well, there is a song that, you know, I know <laughs> Ivy loves. I think she loves it. I love it. It's careless. It's care yeah, it's careless whisper. Naya comes back into the room. She had left a little bit ago and she's holding an armful of just like ran a random assortment of different sizes and widths of candles and she's like it was empty in this house there's no electricity so i thought maybe we should at least shed some light on the situation that's pretty good get it because light on the situation because candles you're also gonna make it just a hundred times creepier do you want to see or not no i want to see she starts just placing them on the dresser on the bedside table a couple on the floor around the edges of the room just to try to get light it looks like the most stereotypical exorcism room i've ever seen except we're missing the cross do you think we 
we need one of those? No, this is not a Christian exorcism. We're not exorcising the devil from Ivy. Oh, okay. Also, are, is her favorite song actually Careless Whisper? Pharaoh's shaking their head. No. You know what? I'll put Careless Whisper first, and then I'll queue up a couple of what I think her favorite would be after that. Play it on rotation. You're queuing up your favorite song for this moment. Well, it's special. Kai looks like she has no idea how to deal with this situation of talking to one of Ivy's friends, like best friends without Ivy, somebody that she doesn't know at all and somebody that she doesn't necessarily want to ever really know. And so she's at this weird impasse of like not being mean, but like trying not to like have you like her in any sense. I just chose the song because it's a recent fond memory. So she can at least try to latch herself to something. Pharaoh coughs a little bit at that. What does everybody have against Careless Whisper? Nothing. It's just nothing. I'd play it right now if I didn't think that. No, it's a good, it's genuinely a good song. I just don't know if it's Ivy's speed outside of certain scenarios. Sawyer goes into his phone and puts Careless Whisper in a playlist called Exercising the Exorcism and puts Careless Whisper, puts the sound by 1975, and then I Always Want to Die Sometimes by the 1975. That's gonna be a lovely three songs on repeat for who knows how long. I think it'll work. Naya finishes lighting all the candles and goes, <laughs> um, yeah, I also I don't know how to do this either, so we're all kind of just winging it whenever she gets here. Should I hide? Does she hate me? I get a weird vibe. Honestly, yes. I like look around. There's a closet? I haven't been in one of those in a while, but you know. Oh shit. Kai, Naya, do you guys have something that'll like cover up our scent? The Artemisia might, but that also might tip her. I don't know. Oh, I see, I see. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna have to figure out some sort of excuse. Surprise party, you know, in this abandoned house. For what reason? I don't know. I got a roll for Naya. Let's see how it turns out. She's gonna roll to cast a hex. Seven plus one, so an eight. Okay. The casting does Naya one harm. The hex has unexpected side effects or she triggers her darkest self. I'm gonna say that the hex has unexpected side effects for the future. But what happens is she holds her hands out to you, Sawyer, and makes this movement in the air and speaks in this old Spanish. All of a sudden, it's just coming from you because uh, Kai and Pharaoh both like wrinkle their noses and like shove their fists up against them. And you can even smell it, just this wafting stench of mothballs and just like old old, left, abandoned, old dresser. God, you couldn't have chosen, like, old books? There's no books in this room! Ugh, gross. I'm gonna go run around the house, spread the scent. I will rush the duffel bag into a separate room and stash it away. When no one's looking, Pharaoh's going to take their knife and rub some artemisia on it. Trudge back upstairs. The candles have been arranged now exactly according to how Naya wants them. The blood is slowly dribbling and drying down the sides of the bed frame. The rest of the sigils are in place. Kai is still looking out the window, and Naya says, I guess we just have to wait for her to get here then. This seems crazy, right? Pharaoh peeks her head out of the closet. None of us have ever excised anybody before, and now we're excising our friends. Some of us didn't know this shit was real till a couple weeks ago. Months? I don't even know anymore. I just want to make sure that, like, we're all actually okay with this. It seems too late now. Now, but um, we don't know what's gonna happen. If anybody doesn't want to be here, then now's the time to go. But I look at Kai, but I can't leave, and I, I won't. You, you asked me to be here, and I said okay, so I'm here. I just wanted to make sure that we all realized 
that were doing something kind of crazy. And Kai lets the curtain drop against the window and says, I don't like that Ivy doesn't lean into who she is, but I don't like this thing controlling her to be something she's not. So I want it out. When Pharaoh goes back into the closet, they're going to text Elias saying that they're going to have him on the phone so he can hear, but the phone's going to be on mute so no sound can come through it just so he can sort of monitor. So they're going to have that in their pocket. Sawyer will slowly walk over to the window, walk near Kai. I take it that you're not afraid of dying? (laughs) Man, if I was afraid of dying, that was literally taught out of me when I was like three years old. So it's kind of way far in the backseat of my mind now. I'm not either. You sure about that? Sawyer looks at Kai. There is a stoic aspect to him that is very rare, and he just nods. Kai looks at that and takes that in and claps you on the shoulder in the least awkward way she can manage. Um, And looking at you says, well, whether I want you to be or not, you mean something here. I'm pretty expendable, so how about we make that my problem? We need to talk about some things after this, I think. You know who would be good for you to talk to? Caleb. Caleb helped me with a lot of self-esteem stuff. By kissing you? No, that was actually later. Well, we'll see which of us makes it out of here after all of this. Maybe we can rethink uh, our feelings and how we approach the whole situation. I think we're gonna be friends after this. She narrows her eyes and with a semblance of trying not to come off as soft in any way said, yeah, okay, we'll see. Serge rolls his eyes. Caleb, you are jogging back to your house, which isn't too, too close to uh, Sarah's house, when the world around you goes silent and you see out of your peripheral a dark figure in the shadows. And as you kind of pull up a little bit to slow your jog, you hear, come, 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 come. I freeze in place and instinctively kind of crouch a little bit so that my back arches up. My arms are out to the sides. Not clenched in fists, though. They're open, palmed, and my nails start to elongate a little as my eyes start to shift. The pupils start to narrow. What do you want? Come, 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 come. And you think that you see them turn a little bit as if leading into a different direction, but they don't really move. It's minuscule. With my hackles raised, I grit my teeth and I focus on this roiling cloud of misty shadow that I can't quite keep an eye on. And I think about the thing that's darted behind Ivy's eyes. I think about the thing that tried to roar up outside of my brother. I think about the weird medallion that he has in his room. And whenever I first found it in the creek all those years ago, and that echoing, hissing, whispered noise, I take a really, really, really deep breath in and on the exhale, I'm going to try and rely on my animal instincts to roll with dark. I want to get a bead on this thing. I want to know what this is so badly. So roll your heightened senses. It's a total of seven. On the exhale, I watch as this cool autumn weather is enough to make me see my own breath. And I watch this shadow creature lit back and forth. I narrow my eyes and I try to picture it coming together into just one shape, one point. Who's in control here? As you focus your eyes, you see that there is, even insubstantially, a humanoid form to this thing. When you say this, you hear again, come, come, come with me, come. You also realize that 
this voice of this strange shadow is not the same as the voice that you heard through Adam or you heard from picking up that coin. So that, at least, is not in control here. And what is in control is something familial. My breath catches for a moment. Because when she was gone, it never really felt like she was gone. I always knew she was just around the corner, right out of my vision where I could see her somewhere. Kind of like all the fairy tales of turning into a wolf and you just see it for just a second and then it's gone. And without being able to control myself, I, I start running towards it. It is so fast, but that doesn't matter because you're fast too. And it flits through the woods and it feels like it's never going to stop running. And you hit a creek that is not the same creek, but it's not dissimilar in its depth. You've been here before though. You traveled these woods as a kid and as you are like sprinting through these trees, weaving in and out, following this darting, drifting shadow that does not move like a human moves. You start to realize that your surroundings, they heighten in color. The stream seems to be like it's almost shining with blue light underneath the surface. You see that there are flowers and grass coming up from the flower beds that are the brightest pinks and purples that you could ever imagine. The trees here look less dark and foreboding than they do at night on the edge of your property, and they look like they are bowing to welcome you into this space. And you see a small, tiny little, like maybe five foot high little waterfall, still shining with that blue light. In your eyes, at least, the light is just magnified here. And there is like at the base of this waterfall, this like stone impediment where you see not standing on but floating above is this humanoid black twisting flitting form above this waterfall and you watch as it flickers and flickers and flickers as if it's trying to reach more of a substantial state but it just can't quite get there. I'm going to approach it and I think that in its state it's almost like I can see tendrils of wisps of smoke curling off the sides of it. I'm going to look at this little waterfall and see if there's anything behind it. From standing on the edge of the bank, there is nothing that would necessarily lead you to believe there was anything behind it except for the fact that of this strange supernatural entity flitting in front of it. It looks like there is water cascading over rock into a small creek. You can't see through the water any more than you would have been able to if you were human. I exhale, kind of like look at the shadow, roll my eyes. <laughs> There's no point in trying to cuff up my jeans at this point. I'm just going to wade into the water. Ivy, the driver's seat opens abruptly and Adam like just fucking drops in, almost hits you in the face with his hockey gear as he tries to get it into the back seat and he's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. That took a lot longer than I thought. I just had to shower and it was like fucking mess in there. Oh no, it's fine. By the way, you dropped your phone and hands him his phone. Oh, sorry, didn't realize. Ivy turns around in her seat and like just kind of grins up at him and then she starts kissing his neck. You know, in this situation, I want you to roll to turn someone on. I got a 10. You can take another string against Adam. He just kind of melts. I mean, I thought we were going to wait till we got home. But if you want to do it here, we can do it. We can do it here. Ivy pulls away for a second and then she says, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we've been in the backseat. Then she like crawls into the backseat of Adam's car. Uh, I mean, no, but like, 
you haven't because like of the thing and like I don't know what would happen if I did it but maybe it doesn't matter because I mean it's inside both of us so I mean we kind of can only do this with each other anyway is that fucked up to say she like leans in between like the the two front seats and she says I just really miss you like that I like us thinking that Adam is just so fucking dumb but he's not an idiot and so he can see the darkness in Ivy's eyes as well and using one of his moves he is giving a string to this shadow creature in order to realize a secret about what ivy is saying right now adam is going to realize that ivy also wants to feed on him that she's hoping that they will have sex so that she can feed on him you see this like nervous half smirk flit across adam's face as he sees this hunger in your eyes and he says ivy you know that like i'm cool with that but like I shouldn't do that while I'm gonna be driving. I could technically drive. Goodness gracious. Look, I just, I've been thinking about it a lot. I can't stop thinking about it. And I want you. Is that wrong of me to say? No, I really love to hear that. Nothing has ever gone wrong before. But like, it feels like really bad if we're in public and something goes wrong. Literally, the front doors to this room, the crowd could walk out. They're walking out right now. This feels like just like so public. Not for the sex thing. I know you kind of get off on that. I meant for the people knowing your secret thing. Why don't you let me worry about that? Roll to manipulate an NPC. It's a nine. Can I spend a string on Adam to make this a 10? Yeah, you can. I'm gonna do that. Oh my goodness, you strike such a hard bargain, but yeah, okay, 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 Give, just hold on. And he like starts to try to climb out of the front seat into the back seat. As he is stumbling through this, he doesn't see, but Ivy looks up into the rear view mirror and for just a second, both of her eyes turn black. She blinks hard and it goes away. And she, she like scoots out of her cheerleading skirt and out of her cheerleading top. And before Adam can even really orient himself, she pushes him down by his chest. So he's laying flat in the back seat. Oh, okay, let's go. She immediately starts to kiss him and only a few seconds in like rips his shirt off, like over his head. And it's maybe moving a little faster than they would normally go. He's trying to keep up with you like his hands are just trying to figure out where you want to be but you're just moving so swiftly that like he's just completely out of his depth at the aggressiveness of this I mean you haven't hooked up like in a long time because he's been so shy about it since this whole thing happened and so he's just like trying to reorient himself into this type of situation with you Ivy grabs his jaw with her hand and she just says hey we know how to do this he lets out a deep breath I know I'm sorry I just like really love you and I don't know even where to begin again I love you too for a second she like flinches back away from him and almost looks like scared but then that immediately disappears and she like starts kissing along his collarbone and she takes one of his hands and like wraps it around her to support her he's like okay you remember how this works right like you bite and then I say the word and we're done right remember yeah I remember okay do you want to do it at the same time Yeah. Ivy slides her underwear off, takes off her bra, and pulls down Adam's boxers as well. They have done this many times, and it's always overwhelming, the intimacy of it. But when Ivy brings her mouth to his neck and smells,
smells him and the familiarity of him that's overridden somehow just by the smell of blood. Ivy bites and Adam makes the noise he always makes and they start to move together and usually it's like a combination of the sensations but for Ivy it's just about the feed and how good the blood tastes and how it feels so hot running down into her body. Adam makes sounds underneath her pleasure pain but she barely even hears him there's a moment in which there is a recollection of the word that ivy's supposed to be listening for okay chrysalis okay ivy chrysalis chrysalis ivy 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 and he starts like pounding the seat as you do not stop Ivy hears this, it breaks through a little bit, but she can't, she won't. Adam betrayed her. Adam was going to take her to be threatened, killed, who knows what, by her best friends. He was ready to let her die, maybe? He has no idea how powerful I am. He always underestimated me. Ivy has the idea that she'll just go a little farther, just to remind him, and then a little farther. The feeling of the blood entering her body instead of this glowing feeling of well-being like it normally is, this warm intimacy. Instead, it's like thick power, it's electricity, it's this feeling of being large and unstoppable. And she is unstoppable. Eventually, Adam's pounding against the seat weakens. He hasn't opened his eyes in a while, but if he did, he would see that the pupils have blown all the way to the edges. There's no white, there's no gray in her eyes. And when she finally pulls away to see, he's just as beautiful as she always thought he was. And when Ivy looks into the rearview mirror again and blinks hard, the gray of her eyes does not reappear. She delicately wipes her mouth till it is clean, just stained slightly like she's been kissing. And she puts on her cheerleading uniform, pulls Adam's keys out of his pants, and starts to drive towards Sarah's house. As Adam Moore lays dead in the back seat of his own car, his brother, the heir to the Moore name, the figure who has the power, the person who everything was meant for, is finding out just what he was meant for, and is diving behind this clear, sparkling waterfall at the begetting of someone he thinks he knows, someone he's not entirely certain that he knows, but somebody he's taking a chance on. And as he dives behind this waterfall, instead of slamming into rock, his body rolls into a relatively small cave. It is sparkling with rock and whites and reds and purples. There is a array of of stone in a circle on the floor, each with the symbol carved into it. There sits on what looks to be a human sculpted pedestal of stone. Gray just sitting there, useless. All of the light around it bending off of it as if it's not important enough to be touched. I stare at it for a minute and there's this sense of familiarity, empathy, but of course it's the only family member that really listened to me and the one that actually saw me for who I was before everyone else did, before I really did, and took the time to try and show me things that no one else did, tell me that there's so much more to mundanity than what it is. I don't know if she's gone, if this is just an echo 
go of her, but it feels fitting that she's showing me something that has such great potential about it that no one else can see. I'm going to crouch down next to this rock, squint my eyes. I think a lot of people have been looking for you. There's only one way to find out. I'll reach forward, see if I can touch it. You reach for this stone, and you pick it up in your hand. It's like Arthur pulling the stone from the sword, like a rush of air, like billows at you. Sawyer, in this house, you hear Kaigo, that's new, looking out of a window, and you come over, and looking up at the sky, you see that the light has changed. You see that the moon is darkening, reddening, and you can see, just a few miles away, on the outskirts of Wildmore, a blemish in the sky that grows and glows, and it looks as if flakes of fabric are falling out of the sky. Kai says, the barrier is actually falling, and you watch as you can see out of the corner of your eye from a different direction, a blue light flashes up like a pillar streaking into the sky. It seems almost to touch the moon and the wind picks up around this house howling, whistling through the cracks and, and, and faults in the foundation. You start to hear these whispers and voices and the screeches of unnatural things. Caleb, none of this reaches you. There is stillness in this cave. You have found what you have been been searching for what is needed to save your home. Ivy, in the car, driving towards the more property, eyes black and the voice in your head starts wailing. And while your eyes are completely taken over, Ivy still can hear differently. And she hears the wailing, and she hears the screeching, and you can kind of envision being pushed back into yourself. From far away, you can see the sky reddening and the blue light streaking upwards as you drive and you hear a chuckle, something at the back of something's throat. And you can also see, in the rearview mirror, Adam's corpse sit up in the back seat, reach around the front seat, grab your neck, strangle you into the back of the seat, and through his mouth, you hear, <laughs> you've given me a body, that's all I ever needed. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to support our show, you can become a patron at patreon.com queerpg. Becoming a patron allows you access to our exclusive after show, where the cast talks about character insights and their own reactions to the episode, as well as a plethora of other perks. If you like the show, remember to rate and review. And to keep up with QueerPG, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at QueerPGPod, and on Tumblr at tumblr.com queerpg. Until next time, 